0: Radio Network and Fun for Life Radio Present. This is Hollywood Unfiltered, hosted by Dana Buckler and Brandon Blue here.
1: Okay, everybody, welcome back to Hollywood Unfiltered on Fun for Life Radio, part of the Dash Radio Network. My name is Dana Buckler.
0: I'm Brandon Lou here.
1: And as always, we're pleased that you're taking just a little time out of your day to listen. Now, we've got a lot going on today, a lot of stories, a lot of really interesting conversation planned for today. So, Brandon, I'm going to kick it over to you. First, how are you doing? And second, what is trending? What's on your radar?
0: Dana, I'm doing very well. Thank you. I hope you're doing the same. There is a lot to talk about. Let's jump right in. First things first, we're on the radio. We play a lot of music on this station. The Recording Academy has announced the first slate of artists to perform at the upcoming 2022 Grammys, officially known as the 64th Grammy Awards, officially. I'm not making fun of them. I love the Grammys, sorry. Taking the stage on music's biggest night will be current nominees Brothers Osborne, BTS, Brandi Carlisle. Billie Eilish, Lil Nas X with Jack Harlow and Olivia Rodrigo. And they'll be live from the MGN Grand in uh, the Garden Arena in Vegas. It's going to be hosted by Trevor Noah. You guys can see that on Sunday, April 3rd on CBS or on Paramount. Now, that's cool and all. There's a little bit of drama I wanted to ask you about, Dana. Did you hear that Kanye West was barred from performing at the Grammys? I guess because of uh, some concerning online. Behavior And Kanye's own representatives confirmed that.
1: Well, I did read that uh, sort of the the, the tag headline about that. Now, what really kind of struck my eye and and admittedly, Brandon, I'm I'm my focus has always been more into movies. I do, of of course, appreciate music. And that is a hell of a a lineup of artists. And I will definitely tune in. I'm excited for the Grammys, but it's not my my primary focus. But what caught my attention was. When you were talking about, you know, who's hosting and who's been told they're not performing, you've got Trevor Noah from The Daily Show, amazing, amazing comedian, one of the smartest guys out there and somebody that I I make it a point to really tune in uh, to watch The Daily Show and especially his YouTube Mm -hmm. channel on there. It's amazing. But he got into a, a little bit of a situation with Kanye. So one has to ask the question, Brandon, was it his TIFF with was it Kanye's tiff with Trevor Noah that got him exiled from performing at the Grammys? Your thoughts.
0: See, that's a good question. I think that that has to play a part. If, for anyone who doesn't know, Kanye is going through a divorce with Kim Kardashian, and is na- and Kim is now dating uh, Pete Davison, the Saturday Night Live comedian, who I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of all these people, but uh, so Kanye put together this video called Easy. Uh, with the game and it basically there's like a claymation version of Pete Davidson that gets buried alive it's kind of funny I mean like it really is kind of funny Um, so long story short after this there was a little bit of controversy and then Trevor Noah weighed in a couple of weeks ago essentially saying like I think Kim and like is just Kim Kardashian is just kind of looking to live her own life and not be constantly harassed by an ex-boyfriend then Kanye, for whatever reason, went on Trevor Noah's Instagram and used some racial slurs and got banned. And uh, and then shortly after that was when the uh, CBS and the Recording Academy announced that he wouldn't be performing. Now there's a lot of other controversies, as everybody knows. Kanye West, when he makes public appearances, I mean they're often out. They're often kind of negative or outlandish. I think there's like there's a lot of controversies I think the academy c- could be concerned about beyond just hosting with Trevor Noah and any potential friction there including some of the other stuff he's posted on social media his continued harassment of Pete Davidson he's you know harassing of Kim Kardashian he could attempt you know I think there's concern he could attempt to lobby Public sentiment for custody of his children. He could make statements in support of, you know, accused sex offender Marilyn Manson or, you know, DaBaby, the rapper who used homophobic slurs. Both of whom he's featured at his recent concerts or listening events. He could make more misguided statements about slavery or revive his uh, love for President Trump. Conversely, he could use the platform to do something that isn't self-serving, like, you know, saying that George Bush doesn't care about black people like he did in uh, 2005 during the Hurricane Katrina fundraiser. But I think most of all, yeah, I think that, you know, with all these reports, I think the big thing is probably the beef with Trevor Noah and just like, listen, man, I'm hosting this thing. I don't want to worry. I have enough to worry about and remember and meet my marks and my staging and all this. I don't have to. I don't want to have to worry about Kanye pulling a uh, yo, Taylor. You know, on 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 the big night, so <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, probably has something
1: to do with it. The famous, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> but Beyonce, had the, the greatest video of all time. I remember just watching that live when it happened. I was like, what in the world? And President Obama, what they caught? <laughs> they caught President Obama off mark, going uh, off camera, going uh, or excuse me, off mic, going. He's a jackass. <laughs> like it was just.
0: I mean, listen. When the president of the United States, one of the most eloquent men who's ever lived, calls you a jackass, I think he might have stepped over some sort of line. But that's just my opinion. What do
1: I know? I, I will say this: you know, <laughs> have, have you have uh, you have you got the stem player yet? Are are you listening to Donda Donda Two yet?
0: Not yet. I'm not on the Donda stem player train yet, uh, Dana.
1: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, that's that's going to be interesting. And look when it comes to Kanye, I don't, I don't proclaim to be an expert, but I will openly admit to searching for a lot of his follies on YouTube, you know, whether it be the, you don't have the answers interview with sway to, you know, uh, of course I I remember watching that uh, in 2005. So that would have been 17 years ago, watching the hurricane Katrina fundraiser and, the just the look on Mike Myers face when 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 Kanye says that he just he he audibly gasps and look over at and looks over at Kanye and then they just quickly cut to someone else and I mean this was that was really pre-YouTube pre-Twitter pre-anything so that was viral before viral was a thing because every news agency picked up on that and yeah I mean let's be honest His, his public appearances have been strife with controversy. And, you know, what's the old adage, though? There's no such thing as bad publicity. You know, so he he has definitely kept himself in the pop culture zeitgeist for going on damn near 20 years now. So I don't know if it's intentional. I think some of it might be some of it's unintentional. He's just a very interesting guy. I'll, I'll leave it at that.
0: I do agree. He's very controversial. And yeah, whether intentional or not, he is a master of staying in the headlines and keeping us talking about him. So there's something to be said for that. One more little note on this. Trevor Noah did have a response after all that. He said after the canceling of his performance, Trevor said, I said, counsel Kanye, not cancel Kanye. <laughs> so, you know, there, there you have it. Fair enough. Now here's a here's another interesting little uh I will say almost say it's quite as dramatic as the Kanye, Kim Kardashian, Pete Davidson beef, Trevor Noah beef, but you know acclaimed director Steven Spielberg says he won't direct another musical after West Side Story. It was, it was during the Producers Guild of America Awards nominee breakfast that was held last week. And yeah, the filmmaker t- told the Hollywood Reporter that he he won't do it again. What do you think of that? Do you think it was Why do you think? Let me ask you this: Why do you think he uh, won't do it? Do you think it's like a one and done, or do you think he had a bad uh, experience filming it, and then maybe the movie not doing as well as some people might have hoped? Does that have does that play a factor in his comment?
1: I reached out to one of my sources yesterday because I did catch that article. One of my sources, uh, who worked with Spielberg in the in the eighties and has you know continues to uh, have an acquaintance with him, and he said. He wasn't surprised by that statement at all. And the reason being that he suspects is because of the disappointment in the box office numbers. I mean, the fact that this this didn't just fail. I mean, let's be fair. It bombed miserably. And – Look, he's not going to go through that again, you know, and and he is he is completely in control of his sets when he's on when he's on set, whether it's in the producing role, the directing role, he is completely in in control. So I can't imagine that he had a difficult time making the film because he's such a master of this that he's going to create whatever environment he wants. It has to break down to the poor box office performance and possibly here's my conspiracy theory and possibly understanding that no big studio is going to green light green light 150 million dollar musical again those days are officially over because lin-manuel miranda as you know did the the movie in the heights which was another day and date on hbo max and that movie Uh, did three times as much at the box office than West Side Story did, and it's still considered a complete failure. So uh, I think Spielberg's just smart enough to know that his comment that I'll never do a musical again, the only way he's going to do a musical again is if he's going to self-finance it, and that's not going to happen. I just think, unfortunately, uh, another casualty of the box office is that West Side Story was just not a – it just wasn't a recognizable enough brand for for individuals, and you know I think the last musical to truly do good numbers was The Greatest Showman a few years back, and that just had strong word of mouth. So I think it's just a case of he knew, he knows he's not going to do another one of these. He's seventy five years old. He's he's focusing on, you know, doing films that I think he knows that he can get made, basically.
0: Well, now it comes to this question of. If he doesn't feel like a movie, okay, he's he had this experience with West Side Story. It did bomb in the box office. People loved the movie, but if filmmakers don't think they can make money, is this just the end of like artistic uh, filmmaking? Is this the end of artistic cinema? If someone like Steven Spielberg, again, we're kind of speculating here. Like, there could be any number of reasons that we didn't discuss behind the scenes of why uh, Mr. Spielberg is like, ah, I did one, I'm I'm one and done on this. But like. You know, you look at artists and directors. I, to me, a director like Steven Spielberg has a sort of artistic aura around them. You, it's like the the cliche of oh, I want to be an artist and fuck the money. Where if this what we're talking about is true, he's like the box. I, I can't, I can't have this kind of this disappointment again. Does this signal to other filmmakers that like if you're not going to make money, if this isn't going to be profitable, then we can't make these artistic films? Or like how do, how does that work now then?
1: Okay, I'm going to say, what I'm about to say, I want to have the biggest caveat in the world when I say this. I love Steven Spielberg movies. I love it. Jaws is my all-time favorite movie. I think Schindler's List is one of the most important films ever made, and it's one that I've seen numerous times, and I, I think it's just so damn important. But, Brandon, just for the sake of this conversation, let's look at the last five movies that spielberg has has put out over the past i guess 10 years west side story in 2021 ready player one in 2018 did you see that film no that's okay it's a very interesting movie uh you know it was uh hang on a second here it made that was his like last really successful movie it made 580 million dollars worldwide but it was on Jeez. a 200 million dollar budget probably with 200 million dollar marketing campaign and it's essentially an animated film so it was good. Then after that we have The Post in 2017 which is a very, you know, very contained story. It's excellent. It's one of these movies that if you're ever going to watch All the President's Men, watch The Post first. This movie made 180 million dollars worldwide, you know, so then after that, you've got the BFG, you've got Bridget Scott, Spies, Lincoln, Warhorse. War what do all these movies have in common? None of them are what I call legacy Spielberg. Okay? You admit it yourself. You didn't see uh, Ready Player One. Did you see The Post?
0: No, I did not.
1: Did you see BFG?
0: No, I did not.
1: Did you see Warhorse?
0: Again, no, I did not. And
1: that's okay because most people are going to say these things because I think Spielberg wanted West Side Story to be what I call legacy Spielberg. Now, what is legacy Spielberg? When you think Steven Spielberg, you think Jaws, you think Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan. I mean, these are movies that a 100 years from now are still going to be studied. And unfortunately, over the past 10 years, He has not put out a legacy film. I think he thought West Side Story might be that legacy film, and unfortunately, it has not. So he's not going to do another musical again. I think he's definitely going to try to do another legacy Spielberg film, one that will be talked about 100 years down the road. Now, this is just a speculation. And again, I reiterate, he's my favorite filmmaker. I'm rooting for him to do this.
0: Yeah, well, I think one of the only things he really has left to check off his filmmaking bucket list is, like, a Western, right? Like, that's pretty much – what else hasn't he done?
1: He's never really done a horror movie, and he's never really done a Western. So uh, one could say that he's done some modern-day west or futuristic Westerns when you look, like, look at the movie, like, AI, artificial intelligence. Um, but he's done, like – I love a lot of his stuff that he did, like War of the Worlds, Catch Me If You Can. Munich is an amazing movie. Absolutely, but he he needs one more big Jurassic Park, Jaws, E.T., Raiders of the Lost Ark. One of these, and it needs to be something original, because he is the king of creating original stories. Anyway, I'm sorry I'm going off on a tangent. Love the guy, love him. Yeah,
0: I agree. We'll see. We're both we're both rooting for Steven Spielberg. Hashtag Team Spielberg. Not that I don't know. We'll get that trending. So you know, in other news, Dana. This is something a little bit close to home. And by home, I mean our home here on Dash Radio and Fun for Life Radio Network. The founder of Dash Radio, DJ Ski, is joining TSX Entertainment as the chief metaverse officer. Wah, 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 wah metaverse. DJ Ski's appointment complements TSX Entertainment's mission to combine the virtual and physical world and create live immersive entertainment experiences that are beyond imagination. And as Chief Metaverse Officer, uh, DJ Ski will be responsible for for providing the building blocks for an everlasting marketplace in the TSX Metaverse. Dana, our own network, our own station might be a part of the Metaverse. What do you think of this?
1: Uh, This is where I'm going to definitely show my age, okay? I am soon to be 44 years old in a few weeks. This Metaverse, I've I've been hearing tons about it. I think I've got a, a somewhat yeah you know rudimentary understanding of of what the metaverse is but from what i'm looking at the metaverse is going to be the next biggest invention since the internet and that's all i can really say about it but to hear that our own network dash that uh, that our guy at the very top you know he's going to be you know overseeing you know implementation of that i'm excited I'm super super excited. I'm happy to be par- I'm happy to be a part of this network. Have been since I started. <laughs> so uh, yes. this is exciting. But I- I'll-, I'll openly admit I just don't understand enough about it. But it's exciting, and I know that if he's involved, that it, you know things are things are really going to be exciting.
0: Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's it's definitely so new and there's a lot of skepticism around it. A lot of people are nervous about the whole virtual reality, digital experience thing or some people are, some people are all on board with it. I know the big thing with the metaverse is is going to be gaming and gaming experiences, but as as a lot of people have been talking about and kind of like we're talking about here, there's all sorts of thing, there's all sorts of industries and things and that that the metaverse can do. I mean, anything in the real world theoretically can happen in the metaverse, and it can happen in ways that you can't do in the real world. I mean, I've seen some really interesting, um, and it's kind of funny videos. If you have just friends hanging out, but they're you know they're in the they're in the metaverse, and they're like one has a shark for you know a shark head, one one has a pizza for a head, and it's like you know it's weird and silly. There's that aspect of like it's just like a new place for people to hang out online. And I think that's cool. I'm really excited to see where this goes, and I'm proud to say, yeah, we have a, a the, da- the founder of Dash Radio who's part of this new charge. I hope that everything is done responsibly. I would be a liar if I said I wasn't personally a little bit concerned about this idea of taking every you know everyone and just shoving them into the matrix, essentially, literally, and then you know the real world just becomes like a you know a grayed out background noise. I don't know. I think that's probably a little bit too much of like a pessimistic view. I think there's a lot of value that can be. I think there's a lot of value people can get from the metaverse potentially. I think a lot of brands and uh, you know everyone who identifies new trends is looking to figure out how does that work in the metaverse, but. Yeah, I, I wanted just to bring this up more, more not necessarily to talk about the metaverse, but more to talk about DJ Ski because he's a he's our big boss, and I thought it would be a nice shout out. But it's very interesting, and you never know, you could be sitting in the metaverse one day, Dana, and you put on your virtual headphones and then you just listen to Dash Radio and Fun for Life. So,
1: you know, I'm I'm looking at some practical applications for the metaverse, and I would imagine if okay, imagine if you will that Marvel has their, their foot in the metaverse. And they say they say uh, you can watch the new Spider-Man movie exclusively this weekend only, but it's in the metaverse. And you have to go in there and you watch it in a virtual movie theater. Or if I want to see my favorite band is performing a concert that's only in the metaverse. I think the, the the practical applications are endless for the metaverse. But at the same time, You know, Hollywood and, and you know, authors have been warning us about this, as you would say, plug into the Matrix thing. So, look, we live in a world where photos are filtered. Everything is a facade in so many cases. Uh, Imagine, if you will, I I feel like there will be, I don't know, I don't want to go too deep in this, but people can be whoever they want in the metaverse and i worry about individualism you know when it comes to that but that's a completely different subject um i again very happy that uh that i'm excited to see where this is going i'm going to leave it at that
0: yes i am too absolutely
1: brandon you've been a next netflix subscriber for a long time yes absolutely all right let me ask you a question and it's just this conversation just between you and i no one else is listening All Mm -hmm. right. Just die. Just die. We'll keep it between us off the record between the two of us. Just just the two of us. You ever uh, lent out your password or your uh, your your login credentials for Netflix before? Do you ever lent those out?
0: Yeah, I might have given away some credentials here or there once or twice off the record.
1: Yeah, yes, of course, and again, just because this conversation is between you and I, you know I have, I've been a Netflix subscriber for, oh gosh I mean, I think they started the streaming in two thousand seven, two thousand and eight I've been on board back then I paid four dollars a month, whatever no big deal uh yeah, so listen, you know you know when I had my when my girlfriend and I we weren't living together and it it just seemed foolish that we would both pay for a Netflix subscription when one of us could we we basically borrowed each other's subscriptions. I had HBO Max. I had, she had Netflix. She had Amazon. You know, we just bounced back and forth. But I wasn't out there just gallivanting around town, giving out my Netflix password to everyone. But it was, you know, my mom. I went down to visit my mom one day and I said, you got to really watch this documentary. Oh, don't worry. We'll just use my credentials. And I might have left them on there. Now, we're not alone in this by any stretch of the imagination. We're definitely not alone in this. In fact, by some estimates, and this is incredibly conservative, it says up to 16% of Netflix users share their credentials. I think that number is above 50% because everybody I know shares their credentials with other people. That's just the, the, the universe we live in. However, that I'm not about to say that that's about to change but we're about to get penalized for doing that. You see, Netflix has begun a pilot program in a few different territories around the world where they're introducing introducing algorithms, software, whatever it is that they use to track IP addresses. So I think what's gonna happen relatively soon is I'm gonna get billed an extra $3 a month when Netflix detects that my Netflix account is being used from an IP address that is not the one where I live. They're ha- they they they're finally doing it. They're cracking down on it 15 years later. Why though? That's the question, Brandon. Why? Why now?
0: Well, firstly, it's about time. And you said like the 16% of Netflix users, like that is yeah, that's way too low. That's like there there are I, I can't even imagine when you have a company like Netflix who has hundreds of millions of subscribers, 220 something million I think. I mean 10% of that. We're talking about millions and millions of people and that's a lot of money on the table. And when you again like there's only so many people in the western world who want to subscribe to Netflix, they're plateauing at a certain point and Like, yeah, what do you do? I mean, this is a sort of problem. There is a more, there's like the moral and ethical question. Is it right to, you know, is it right to share the password or not? That's kind of a separate thing, right? It's like, yeah, it's, oh, come on. I just want my mom to see a documentary. I just want to, you know, I left my password for my girlfriend or my friend or whoever. I think Netflix is realizing a couple of things. Firstly, they, they are leaving so much money on the table. And two, I think perhaps the technology has evolved to where they can actually track this. I think if they had the opportunity or they had the means to, you know, if they had the means to close in on this before, I think they probably would have, right?
1: I agree. No, I, I agree. And what you said makes perfect sense. They're leaving. uh oh, well, let's see. I don't even want to say millions. They're leaving billions on the table. And as we've talked about in previous episodes of Hollywood Unfiltered and Fun for Life radio, these companies are hemorrhaging money. We didn't talk about, by the way, I just want to circle back to something we said. We were talking about the operating costs of a Netflix, of an Amazon, of a Hulu, of an HBO Max. We didn't, we talked about licensing content, creating content. We didn't talk about the billions that they have to spend just for the infrastructure of these platforms. You know, let's think about it. When, when we go on Facebook, we go on Twitter, we go on Snapchat, we go on YouTube. It just works. It works. It's amazing. It's incredible. Somebody's got to pay for that. By some estimates, Disney spends $8 billion a year just on the infrastructure alone for the Disney Plus platform. I don't blame Netflix for trying to go after as much money as they can. Now, am I willing to spend an extra $3 a month? So that my mom can watch the Great British Cook Off or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but uh, but I think I agree with you. It's one of those. Well, it's about time. I figured we all knew it was going to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I'm not I'm not opposed to this. I again, like all joking aside, with like yeah, sharing passwords. It's not something that happens regularly, and it's not something that would really. I don't think it would affect either of us in a terrible way. Like if we. All of a sudden, everyone who we've ever lent our password out to now gets locked out. I mean, okay, get your own Netflix now, I guess, because I'm not—I don't want to have to pay the extra. But yeah, I, I, the point is, I am in support of this because I want Netflix to survive so I can keep using their service. And if they are losing money and hemorrhaging money because fifty percent of their fucking uh, audience or customers aren't actually paying, well, listen—it's the same deal of like it's, it's a very similar situation to when. Music and movies and everything got pirated online like it's it's a catch-22 if you if everyone just steals the service or the product That service or product will no longer will won't be able to exist long term and thus we all lose so
1: let me tell you something a little bit interesting because I have worked in the uh, in the bar and restaurant industry for for several years Because I want to make the argument. I want to I want to take the other side of the argument and say hey I had a Super Bowl party at my house Last month, I had 20 people over, but we all watched one one device. We all watched my TV. How's that any different? Well, I'll tell you what. Here's an interesting thing. All right. So at least in the state of Florida, okay? So you ever go to a, a – I don't know how it is in New Jersey, but if you go to any restaurant or sports bar or any of that in in, in the state of Florida, you're going to notice lots of TVs on. But you're also going to notice no volume. There's no volume on any of these TVs. Now, you might think, well, that's because they don't want to be distracting people. There's actually rules about that. Do you know that if you if you have cable at one of these – if you've got cable at a sports bar in Florida, your cable bill is decided on how many actual tangible seats there are in your restaurant. So the precedent for people – Paying their fair share has been set long before Netflix was a thing. Like if if for some reason, if some executives from Cox Cable were to come into the restaurant that I oversee and we had, you know, the University of Florida Gator football game and we had the volume turned up, we would get penalized for that because the volume has to be off. Otherwise, we have to pay even more. It's it's so crazy. So it's just a matter of time. And HBO Max, Amazon, they're, they're all going to follow suit. They're Disney Plus, they're all going to follow suit.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it, it, this is an inevitable, it really is an inevitable thing. It took time for the, te- I assume it took time for the technology to evolve because again, like I said, if they had the ability to track this or prevent this before, they would have. And it it is one of the things where like the problem arose and they needed to find a solution. And like we're at that point now. It's interesting. I want to just touch on, you know, as far as a restaurant, that's a business. They register and they, like, they have, you know, as far, like, the, the actual occupancy on the door most of the time. When it comes to, like, a Super Bowl party, though, you know, you ask, what's the difference, really? Like, who could possibly ever enforce that? Like, that's just an impossible thing. It's one thing to make a law or a rule or a policy, but it's another thing to actually enforce it. Otherwise, what's who, who cares?
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. No, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about before we get into the box office, and that is, you know, it's been award season. And every award show has been kind of that – been leading up to this Sunday's Academy Awards – So I just want to just do a quick headline from last night's Writers Guild Awards, and the headline is Coda, Don't Look Up, Hacks, and Succession win top prizes at 2022 Writers Guild Award. Goes on to say, Coda and Don't Look Up added momentum to their hopes for Oscar gold by nabbing the top film honors Sunday at the 74th Annual Writers Guild Award. The wins for Apple TV Plus and Netflix titles come as award season heads into its final seven-day countdown, leading to the 94th Academy Awards on March 27th. So, we're on the home stretch now. We've had so many award seasons. I mean, it's clear the front runners for Best Picture are clearly p- The Power of the Dog and Coda. I'm, I'm happy to see that Don't Look Up is still in the conversation. Because the further I get away from that movie, the more I want to watch it again and again. That's how much I appreciate that film. And I do want to point out that I was having a conversation with a 22-year-old gentleman the other day. We were at a bar, and I didn't know him. He was sitting next to my buddies and I, and we would got talking about movies. And he said to me, have you seen Don't Look Up yet? I said, yeah, absolutely. I've totally seen that movie. I love that movie. He goes, that movie gave me anxiety because it was so real. He goes, it was so real. And, and he goes, as someone in their early 20s, I'm like, that's exactly how the world would respond. And I'm like, Wow. So that movie is really grabbing audiences of all ages. So anyway, award seasons, Coda, The Power of the Dog, Don't Look Up. It's a coin toss between Coda and The Power of the Dog.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you with the Don't Look Up. It, you know, I know Adam McKay wrote that with a sort of climate change perspective in mind, but it touches on so much. It holds such a mirror to society in so many different ways. And yeah, I, I, I had a profound, uh, re, you know, it resonated with me too and gave me a little bit of anxiety. But yeah, as far as the awards go, I mean, over the last couple of weeks, we had the BAFTAs, Directors Guild Awards, Writers Guild Awards, Producers Guild Awards, Audio Society Awards. The Oscars are less than a week away. I mean, these these films we've seen over the last few weeks. I mean, the headlines are constantly yeah, Succession, Coda, The Power of the Dog, Don't Look Up, Dune. Like you, you know, the I think we we have a good idea going into the, the Academy Awards who's going to be most likely to take home some big wins.
1: Absolutely, and of course. We will have a complete breakdown of all the Academy Award winners uh, on next week's episode of Hollywood Unfiltered. All right, Brandon, let's talk about the box office, because the number one movie in America, once again, is Matt Reeves' The Batman. Headline coming from Variety, The Batman Rules, again, crosses $300 in North America. Goes on to say, Robert Pattinson's gritty superhero adventure, The Batman, is the number one movie at the domestic box office for the third weekend in a row. The feat is not surprising because March has been relatively light in terms of new releases. But even though there hasn't been much competition, The Batman has managed to score impressive week-to-week holds. The movie collected $36.8 from 4,300 theaters between Friday and Sunday, representing only a 45% decline from last weekend. Those ticket sales pushed the Batman past $300 in North America, making the comic book adaptation the second pandemic-era movie to cross that benchmark after Spider-Man No Way Home. At the international box office, the Warner Brothers film opened in China, which I want to just say, side note, the Spider-Man movie... Did not, has not, and will not open in China. Says uh, opened in China where 43% of the country's theaters are closed due to COVID-19 cases to a muted 12.1 million in total. But that's still 12.1 million more than Spider-Man did in that country. In total, the Batman added 49.1 million from 76 overseas markets taking its global total to a mighty $598 million. Those returns represent a, a needed commercial win for Warner Brothers, which spent $200 million to produce the film and many, many millions more to market the film to audiences around the world. Brandon, The Batman's made close to $600 million worldwide. It's been out for three weeks. Spider-Man is well past a billion. It's $800 million just at the domestic box office. My question to you is, do you think The Batman even makes a billion dollars worldwide.
0: I don't think so, especially considering that Warner Brothers has already announced there's a 45-day window with these films.
1: (sighs) That's leaving money on the table. That really is leaving money on the table. The movie's coming out on HBO Max. That's not even extra. That's not even video on demand. That's not even a $20 rental or a $25 purchase. That is HBO Max. Boom. 45 days. Here you go. Now, I'm trying to understand. Somebody help me understand this. I get why the 2021 releases were released day and date. I get that. By all indications, that was a financial disaster for Warner Brothers, which is about to be taken over by Discovery. That's a completely different discussion. They committed to these 45-day windows. They've negotiated with the movie theaters. Disney is doing the exact same thing with the Doctor Strange. Hundreds of millions of dollars is being left on the table. But who are we? We're just a couple guys, you know, on the outskirts looking in. I don't know about these financial decisions, but, in, you know, if I was running the company, I'd say, eh, let's let's pump the brakes. Let's let's go back to the old 60 to 90 day theatrical window, especially if money's being made.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you see like you. We saw Spider-Man got pushed back at least one time. And I, I there there's it's undoubtable that part of that was because the movie was continually making money. It is a little bit weird. I mean, we are spectators and speculating. However, it, it is odd to me that they, that they would just announce right off the bat 45 days any of the streamers doing this. because what if they have a hit on their hands and then you know, they, they're leaving you know tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars on the table because they, they just pre, they just pre-agreed to do this. Now this is still a little bit, again, we're, we always talk about this is the Wild West. we are in the Wild West. And maybe they're just testing for whatever reason. Maybe they have the, you know, as you call them, the bean counters, the you know, the, the money crunchers, or the you know, the number guys. They say, you know, this makes sense. This is the efficient. This is we will got to try this. We think this will work. I mean, I'm looking at the chart here for some of the domestic box office performances of 2021. I mean, like only two. Of the films cumulatively did like over a hundred million. You're talking Space Jam was a flop, Suicide Squad, Conjuring, Mortal Kombat, Tom and Jerry, In the Heights, Matrix, Re- Matrix Resurrections, Malignant, King Richard, Little Things, Many Saints of Newark, Cry Macho, Those Who Wish Me Dead, Judas, Judas and the Black Messiah, Reminiscence. All of these movies, like they got the day and date, and and that didn't work. Now I think they're just trying. Let's see if 45 days work because they're trying to balance box office and getting new subscribers to streaming. That's the challenge, right? They're they're kind of competing with themselves.
1: Last night, I, I found myself with a rare evening to myself. Uh, I didn't have any prior obligations, caught up on my audio production work, and I said, you know what? I might go see a movie. Yeah, you know what? That's what, I, that's what I love to do. I might go see a movie. You know what? Maybe, maybe I'll go see the Batman movie again because you and I had some really interesting thoughts on that film. And I definitely complained about the runtime, and I thought maybe I'll just go pop into the theater half an hour after it starts, so the runtime doesn't feel as long. And then I stopped myself because I just said, "You know what? What am I doing? It's going to be on HBO Max in a few weeks. I'm save my money." So, and there's me going, "Ah, you know what? I'm going to go see something else." And because I knew in the back of my mind. I'm not going to go through the experience of paying, you know, $17 for an IMAX ticket, another $25 for concessions. I'll just watch it at home. It's fine. I know exactly when it's coming out. April 19th is my birthday. I'm not going to forget that date. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, we saw, again, always bringing up Spider-Man just because it's the most recent example. But we see with any any big movie that's a, that's a hit in the theaters, there's a sizable percentage of the overall gross is repeat viewings. And when you yeah you exactly what you're describing here you're not you're not going to be alone there you're you know if you if you had you said oh man I really want to see Batman again but you know it's going to be out boom there's twenty five dollars you know minus twenty five dollars for the theater in the studio uh, and and I don't know I, we'll if we keep seeing this more and more I think yeah the box office is gonna is going to be the one that takes the hit because these these comp- you know the the studios the big ones all have their own competing streaming services now so it doesn't affect them as much as it used to because they can say hey you know fuck you box office if we don't like it or whatever you know we, we'll just throw it on H-H-O Max or Netflix or whatever.
1: I have some major major news to announce to you and the listeners. Something that has been at least four months in the making. Brandon, amazing listeners of Hollywood Unfiltered on fun for life Radio part of the Dash Radio Network. I finally saw Spider-Man No Way Home
0: that's why you needed to go to miami for a week
1: that's exactly it i finally saw spider-man no way home i finally i paid the i i paid actual dollars to see the movie i paid the rental fee i sat at my house i turned the lights off i i got the surround sound system optimized admittedly i'm never the biggest marvel fan i have not i've always just always been what it is what it is but i know throughout the course of the past 4 months We gushed a lot about the the numbers. I finally had to see the movie. And I'm going to tell you something. It's a very entertaining movie. It has a really good pace to it. It is soaking wet in nostalgia. It's soaking Hmm. wet in fan service to a degree that I don't think I've ever seen before. And as somebody who was... Uh, lukewarm on the original Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire, and as somebody who did actually had never seen the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, I will say I, I became a little interested in seeing the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies after you know seeing kind of his on-screen presence in chemistry. Uh, oh, but overall, like I'll admit, it was. Possibly more entertaining than the Batman. There, I've said it. I don't want to say anything more than that. That's it. We're done. We're moving on. <laughs> Woo.
0: Wow, that's on. That's going to be on the public record forever. Now you realize that, right? You can't. Take oh that no! Back. The,
1: are, isn't this conversation <laughs> just between you and I? Wait. Are oh, we wait recording? a second. Wait a second. Hold on.
0: <laughs> Where's so, our
1: producer, I have someone lied to us. No, but <laughs> so. But overall, but listen. Overall, like it's it's with the exception of the Eternals and maybe Thor: The Dark World. I there's never been a Marvel movie that I've watched that I wasn't like, I mean that's that's entertaining. I mean it's an it, like, the products speak for itself. It's an enter, it was an entertaining movie. The Eternals was not an entertaining movie, but every other Marvel movie for I've essentially seen was entertaining. And and you know what? Kudos to Sony, who by the way don't have their own streaming service. Think about that for a moment. Yet, yet is the key. Uh, I I enjoyed the film. I did. Well, I'll I'm, give it a recommendation.
0: I'm proud of you for seeing it. I hope I, you know, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it a little bit. Yeah, I, you know, i obviously I'm I'm I think it's fair to say I'm a little bit more of a fanboy of Marvel than you, and yeah, I enjoyed the film very much. I I mean the the Tobey Maguire Spider Man I was I was a wee laddie when that came out, so the nostalgia factor was big on that. Um, and yeah, I wanted to I shout out Andrew Garfield because one of my favorite parts in that movie is literally when they're all standing together there. Spoiler alert! And uh, he just goes. Uh, Peter three, like he's just, he's just, you know, little moments like that. He's really, he's really a phenomenal actor.
1: Yeah, and and uh, by the way, there's no more spoilers for this movie. I mean, the whole marketing yeah. now is is the three of them are in it. Yeah, so uh, which, but which, which to be fair, I mean, they kept that secret for at least. 24 hours after that movie was released (laughs) I
0: I honestly wish we lived in a world where like leaks weren't the norm because imagine like let's just take a second here this is totally this was not this is not anything we planned for this show but I I can't help but bring it up like imagine we actually lived in a world where that was kept secret and we saw that movie and we had no idea what the fuck was gonna happen you know like like really think about this they they took three spider-man from three different universes and put them in one movie that's fucking crazy and they did I'll, it well.
1: <laughs> I will admit that even I would have said to myself, huh, that's pretty clever. You know, even I would have, it, it, like, that's pretty clever. In fact, I thought that's what they were going to do with Rise of Skywalker. I thought before that movie came out, there was some chatter on the web about, you know, what 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 they could do to shore up or make the ninth episode in the Star Wars Legacy the Star Wars saga how do they bring it full circle i said well they're going to end game this thing they're going to they're going to there's going to be some time travel there's going to be characters from the tril- the, the original trilogy the sequel trilogy the prequel trilogy they're all going to be together i really thought that that's what they were going to do and i would have been happy about that but that secret wouldn't have been kept secret if that was the case uh, I would have loved to have seen the Marvel. I would have loved to have seen the Spider-Man movie not knowing anything about it. But, you know, people just can't help themselves.
0: I mean, yeah, it's just the world we live in. I guess the only, like, the real solution there would just be to totally unplug and opt out of social media and online and news. And unfortunately, because, you know, well, not really unfortunately, but because we have a radio show and that, that deals with entertainment news, it's virtually impossible for us to, to avoid stuff like that, I think. But it's fun I, to I, imagine that, you know, having I that do. shock.
1: I do want to say that being someone who was a teenager in the 90s, I can tell you movies like Scream, like The Usual Suspects, like The Sixth Sense, those movies were kept spoiler free. I saw The Sixth Sense a month after it came out. I had no idea what the twist ending was in that movie, and I'm not going to spoil it because I know there's a younger generation that hasn't seen that movie there's a great twist ending in it, and it got me. I was like, "Holy shit! No shit! Now I have to see this movie again." Uh, but back then, you're not getting away with that. Now, Six Sense released as is, twenty twenty two. People are going to be talking about the you know 20, twelve hours after the movie comes out. They're going to talk about the twist ending. So it's it's just interesting. All right, well, Brandon, I unfortunately, I we're, boy, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. We actually had a couple more stories we didn't even get a chance to cover. That's how much. That's how much is going on right now so we're gonna we're gonna table a couple of our stories till next week of course next week is going to be our big academy awards we're gonna have all the the winners the losers the the outrageous controversy which is i'm sure bound to happen so it's gonna be exciting i'm looking forward to the academy awards brandon coda the power of the dog make a prediction right now we're not gonna hold you to it power of the dog power of the dog all right i'm gonna go with coda just because i think the momentum on that has really began to ratchet up. So if you can, please follow this station, Fun for Life Radio, on Instagram at Fun for Life Radio. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can do so at the Dana Buckler. And of course, if you're just tuning in right now and you're saying, wait a second, I'm just listening to these guys and they're saying goodbye. Not to worry, because this episode, along with every other episode of Season 2 of Hollywood Unfiltered, is available in podcast format wherever you get your podcasts just search Hollywood unfiltered Brandon it's always a pleasure my friend
0: yes sir Dana see you next week
1: absolutely I'm looking forward to it and for everyone out there we will catch up with you same time same place next week